0: Tonight I'd like to look at a verse of scripture in the book of Hebrews, book of Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, it is a verse of scripture that there are uh, different opinions on. And I would like for us to look at this this evening. Hebrew chapter 10 and uh, verse 25. And we, we will read more around this, but let's just start out with, uh, with this verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So there are different uh, views on this. Uh, we will look at that. Some believe that that this is uh, uh, means assembling ourselves together. Some believes it's how teaching how you assemble yourselves together. And that's at least two uh, of, the, of the views. And again, we're, we'll take our time and, and might not get directly to our point this evening, but we'll look at some scriptures that I think will help us as we look at the bigger picture on this. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. and uh so that says forsake not the assembling of ourselves together uh what i say first corinthians chapter 11 and, and again we'll take a long way around to getting to our point. point first corinthians 11 And uh, verse 17. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So I'm just gonna just stop there. But it talks about coming together. I praise you not that you come together, but they are coming together. Now there's, you know, uh uh, uh said, so I think you're coming together not for better, but for worse, but they are coming together. Now they're coming together, yet they were uh, divided, but they were together physically, but yet divided doctrinally. But again, they were coming together. There were some doctrinally differences that they were divided, but they were, they were coming together. And I, I want to make that point. And our lesson said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, and the manner some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So I said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now, those we read there in Corinthians, they were assembling, but yet they were divided. There were some doctrinal differences, and they were divided. But this is saying, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As we look at the book of Hebrews, it deals, and I love the book of Hebrews. Well, I guess there's not any book I can't say that I don't love. But the book of Hebrews really deals a lot with change. Uh, It deals with change in in, in the manner of worship. transition from the Old Testament way to the New Testament way. So much of the book of Hebrews, and we'll talk about that some, but it is, it's a transition from the Old Testament ways to the New Testament ways of worship. Uh, So there was a change in, in two ways. There was a, a change in the physical way that they worshipped. And there was, certainly there was a change doctrinally in the way that they worshipped. So there was a change. And, and the book of Hebrews, again, talks so much about that. And I believe even our lesson, I believe that is, is in our lesson as well. But there was, they changed uh, uh, physically the way they worshipped. And certainly they changed doctrinally the way that they, that they worshipped. Old Testament way, you know, they had the priest. And the priest would offer sacrifices. And, of course, they had the, the tabernacle in the wilderness. And then it was brought to Jerusalem. And that's where they went to worship, wasn't it? That's where they went to offer the sacrifices. They went to Jerusalem for this. And and again, the priest would offer the sacrifices, and the priest would offer the blood sacrifices. But they went to Jerusalem for this in in a temple uh, after the temple was built and everything. So in the Old Testament, or previous to Hebrews, that's the way that they worshiped. Blood of bulls and goats and calves. And the, and the high priest who offered them up. That's the way that they, and, and again, they had to go to Jerusalem for this. That's the way that they worshipped. Well, New Testament, there's a change in that. Don't have to go to Jerusalem, although I'd love to, but don't have to go to Jerusalem we don't offer up the blood of bulls and goats, but we offer the blood of Jesus Christ as our covering. We still uh, have, well, of course, our Lord is our high priest who offered up himself as the sacrifice, and we still have the priesthood. And I won't get into this discussion tonight, is it the priesthood of the church or priesthood of the believer, but uh, I think the answer to that is Yes. I believe the true believers will be in the church, so it is priesthood of the church. But much of the book of Hebrews talks about this change. Again, change in certainly the the place and and, and way that they worshiped, but also doctrinally, the way that they worshiped. There was just a a change. So let's look at a couple scriptures in Hebrew, and let's go back to chapter 7, first of all. So again, we're, you'll see, we're going to look at verse 19, and, and you'll just see this is all about change. Hebrews 7, 19, For the law made nothing perfect, the letter of the law and the Old Testament and the way they worshipped. But the bringing in of better hope did, by which we draw near unto God. So a big change there. And, and I talked to one individual one time, where we talked for, for I guess, uh, even a few years. And we talked about the law and all the sacrifices. And I said, you know, I said, those never took away any sin. I thought, well, the boy has a big waste? Well, I never looked at it that way, where there's a big waste of all those animals. Of course, some of them they would eat and so forth. There was different sacrifices that they, that they offered. But under the letter of the law, uh said uh, nothing was, was perfect. But now this change that Hebrews spends so much of his time talking about But the bringing of a better hope did, by which we draw near unto God. So this, we see a change here. The old way of worship and the new way of worship. What what they worshipped and and what we worship now. So there's definitely a change here. In chapter 8, starting in in verse 1. Again, we're looking at, at change. Now, of the things which we have spoken... This is a sum, and I love I love sum. I love summary. Sometimes I can read the summary and uh, don't have to look at all. But so this is a summary. Now the things which we have spoken, this is a sum. We have such a high priest who is seated on the right hand of the throne of the majesty of the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man. So we see a change here. They had the, the old uh, tabernacle, and they had the, the temple and everything, but it wasn't the true. But now there's a change. Change, a, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man. So we see, again, change. And that's what Hebrew is talking about. Let's read on. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. That was the old way. Wherefore, it is of a necessity that this man, Jesus Christ, have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. He wasn't of the tribe of Levi, so he wouldn't have been a priest in, in, in that manner if we're looking at earthly things. It says, uh, offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. So if we look at the law of Moses, what, what, what's its purpose? Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. See, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown unto thee in the mount. So, I, uh, this tells us something. So Moses was getting ready to build uh, the tabernacle. So we got some some posts and poles and rods and boards and sockets and all these different kinds of skins and everything and all these different furnishings that went in it where they was going to uh, offer the different offerings and the, and the blood offerings and the incense offerings and all that. But he said, I want you to build this tabernacle according to how I've shown you. Well, what difference does it make? Because first part of verse five, who serve unto examples and shadows of heavenly things. So this tabernacle started out in the wilderness that they're going to build. it served as example and shadow of heavenly things. I don't understand everything about the tabernacle. I Seems like I can't get time to really... I'd like to make a complete study on it. just seems like I can never get there. But I do know this. Everything in there points to Jesus Christ. That's why he's supposed to make it according to a certain pattern. Not because of snow load or wind shear or all that kind of stuff. Because it was patterned after Jesus Christ. And it had to be according to that, uh, that pattern. But you see, uh, certainly a big change. No longer uh, do we... Worship in that tent, in that tabernacle, no longer all for those uh, blood of bulls and gro- goats and etc. Verse six, but now, not then, but now, he hath, hath obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Talking about Jesus Christ. So we look at the old way of worship in that uh, uh, tabernacle, but now obtained a more excellent ministry. So we're not looking at the... as now. Then we had the tabernacle and the priests and the way they worshipped, and it was all types and shatters. But now we have the true tabernacle. That was not the true tabernacle. Uh, Verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. And that, that certainly makes sense. If the law was the way, then Jesus Christ wouldn't have come. The law was pointing to the way of Jesus Christ. The law was not the way. And let me just state, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. law wasn't the way. Praying through wasn't the way. Taking the first step wasn't the way. is not the way. There may, we could talk about those things, but there's only one way. Uh, let see, verse 13. In that he saith a new covenant. He hath made the first old. old. Now that which decayeth and groweth old is ready to vanish away. So you see the old covenant and the new covenant. The change. And again, that's what Hebrew is talking about. Change in the way of worship. Change in the manner of worship. That's what the book of Hebrews is talking so much about. So we'll just go continue on in in chapter 9. And uh, skip all the way over to verse 9 which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the services perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in foods or meats and drinks and various washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them Until the time of reformation. And that until the time of reformation means until the time of setting things right. That's what it means. So we had the figure. We had the tabernacle. Then we had the temple at Jerusalem. And and this is where they uh, did their service. But it was only a figure of Jesus Christ that was to come. And now he has come. That way uh, made nobody perfect. But change, old way and new way. Change in the manner and even place of worship. Chapter uh, 10 and verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things. Can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continue to make those who come to it perfect. So the law, the law of Moses, here it says, it only has a shadow. It's a shadow of what? A shadow of Jesus Christ. That's why he told Moses, "You, you, you make it this way. It's a shadow of Jesus Christ. So, Uh, The law only having a shadow of good things to come. Well, now in Hebrews, it's talking about, well, the good thing has come, and it's Jesus Christ. So we have a different way. We have different uh, sacrifices. Now, it's all pointing the old way. The old covenant was all pointing to the true sacrifice, but it wasn't the true sacrifice. And in verse 9, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. See, we have a change. And that's what Hebrew is talking about. Taking away the first, establishing the second. There's a different way of worship. And and even in our text, that's one of the things it's referring to. There's a different way. Don't continue as, as others would. Different way of worship. Verse 10 By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering often the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So again, all those sacrifices. I I don't, I never thought of it as Waste. But I see how people could look at it that way. But it never took away sin. The sacrifices never took away sin. It all pointed to Jesus Christ by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. But see, Hebrews talking about that changing from that old way to the new way. It's talking about change. Uh, let see. I skip maybe over verse 19, maybe. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which hath consecrated us through, uh, for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So you certainly see uh, the change here, because before. They would win into the most holy or holiest through the, the blood of bulls and goats and everything that the high priest would go in there uh, once a year to make that atonement for them. but it says, "But now by a new living way, well, <laughs> verse 19, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. by a new and living way. We've okay, got a new way, the old way's done the way. So we're talking about change again. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through his flesh. So, a new way of worship. I don't think anybody can argue there is a new way of worship. No longer have they assemble in Jerusalem and offer the sacrifices in the temple. You remember when the Lord was crucified, the veil was rent from the top to the bottom, signifying the way into the Most Holy was made perfect is made perfect by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. So there's a change. So, after some were illuminated to the fact that no longer under this law, No longer had to go to Jerusalem to offer these sacrifices. After some were illuminated, they said, well, why assemble at all? The writer here is still correcting them of that. There's still a need to assemble. Only the physical manner of worship has changed. That's, That's our text. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in a manner of some is. So some felt, okay, we don't have to go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices. We don't have to go off the blood of bulls and goats now. We don't have to assemble at Jerusalem. So they didn't. Now, we'll see example of others and let's go to John chapter 21 gospel John chapter 21 we'll see uh well let me just read it here Uh, John 21 and verse 3 Simon Peter saith unto them I go fishing. This is after the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. And Peter says, I'll go fishing. We don't go to Jerusalem to offer those sacrifices anymore. Our Lord is crucified so we would travel and meet with the Lord and everything and assemble and so forth and they'd even assemble in the synagogues and, and teach and so forth but now the Lord is crucified and Peter says I'll go fishing then uh it says They say unto him, We also go with thee. So Peter says, So, with no need now, I'll just go back to fishing. Will no longer uh, assemble. Will no longer do these other things that we've been doing for three and a half years. Uh, certainly, we no longer go to Jerusalem to offer these sacrifices. And then, even after the change with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ being crucified, now Peter says, "Well, shoot, I'll just go back feasting. That's that's it." <clears throat> Let's read on. But when the morning, uh, well. And there's, there's so much more of what I'm reading here. We're not going to bring it all out. We're just going to try to get to a point. Uh, they said to him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a boat immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food or have you any meat? And they said, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you shall find. Uh, they cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw for the multitude of the feasts. Again, so much other teaching in this. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, I do believe that was John, saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fetish coat unto him, for he was naked, and then cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, uh, dragging the net of fish. So they had, they just went feasting. Well, well, forget about all this ministry we had. Forget about, you know, we don't the... We don't serve now in the tabernacle. We don't offer blood of bulls and goats. And now Jesus is crucified, so just forget about all. We'll go fishing. Verse 9. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Again, so much other teaching in this that we're not going to go into. Jesus said to them, Bring the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fish, 153, and although there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus said to them, "'Come and dine,' and none of the disciples dared to ask him, "'Who art thou?' knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, and giveth them, and feast likewise." This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself unto the disciples after he was risen from the dead. So uh, we, we look at what he said to Peter here. uh, in, uh as, as we look down on through here, uh, I want you to notice what he said to Peter. So Peter says, I'll go feasting. The other disciple says, we'll go feasting too. Forget about all this stuff. So then Jesus comes to them. And then let's see what he said. So they went feasting. But let's see what Jesus said to them. Does he say, keep feasting? Verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Peter and, and to Simon, uh, Peter, uh, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, Lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Keep fishing. <laughs> That's not what it says. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Peter, you said, Shoot, you know, the Lord's crucified and everything. Uh, forget about all, we'll just go fishing. But the Lord came to them here. And after they, and again, there's so much more in what I read there, but I'm trying to bring our point out. He said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lands. He didn't say, keep feasting. Now, we know he's going to make them feasters of men, but as far as this, where they had uh, uh, forsaken what they had been doing, and said, I'll just go back to feasting again. He didn't say, Peter, you continue with that. That's what you're doing. He says, Peter, you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, there's something for you to do. 16, uh, again, you're familiar with this. He's saying to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He's saying to him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto them, unto him, feed my sheep. He didn't say, continue feasting. 17 again. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. He certainly was making a point here, wasn't he? He wasn't going to leave any doubt. He didn't say, keep fishing, Peter. He said, Peter, there's, there's work for you to do. Feed my sheep. We can read some of Peter's work, some of Peter's teaching, some of the events in Peter's life. I certainly believe that Peter will be made, be of the bride, which we've been studying on Sundays morning, or get, well, getting ready to study on Sunday morning. We're leading up to it, but I believe Peter one is uh, that will be of the bride. And I'm going to do something that I don't like to do, but I'm going to try to do it to maybe make a point anyway. I don't like ifs. What if the Lord hadn't gone to Peter here? What if the Lord hadn't gone to the disciples? And again, I don't, Cindy, I don't, I don't like using it this way, but if we can, just think about it for a moment. <clears throat> Peter and, and those, follow, those those Peter said, I'll go fishing, and others said, well, shoot, we'll go too, it's all over. If, and again, I don't like doing this, but to make a point, if the Lord had not gone to Peter, what would have happened to them? They said, well, we'll go too. Peter, I'm going fishing. They'll go too. If the Lord hadn't gone, what would have happened? Well, I believe verse 25 would have happened. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in a manner of some is. I believe that's exactly what would have happened if the Lord hadn't gone to Peter. Now, there wasn't any chance Peter was his sheep. Peter was going to be part of the pride. He was going to go. But if the Lord hadn't, I think that's a good example of what would have happened. Uh they would have forsook the assembling themselves together as they had been. So, I think we could almost say in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in a manner as Peter and those followers did. That's if the Lord hadn't gone to him. Because they would have quit assembling. They would have quit uh, uh, feeding the sheep and so forth. But he said, uh, and so, but he didn't. He went and, and, uh, uh, and he called them and they didn't make them features of men and feeding the sheep and so forth. But if he hadn't have, they would have continued feasting, continued forsaking the assembling of themselves together as they did in the Lord's three and a half years. I know of a group that did this. They, uh, they were brought to position. They, they believed in a sovereign God. They believed that he was in control of all things. They believed in predestination. They believed that God had already ordained who would be in the bride, who would not. And you know what happened? They said, well, there's no need doing anything. So they, and they were meeting. They were meeting as a church, as we would traditionally think a church would meet. And they said, well, there's there's no need to do anything. So they didn't. They forsook the assembling of themselves together. So here in Hebrew, uh, there is a, uh, a change here—the way they did worship. Well, let me let me ask this. I, I don't know the hearts of those people, but so they said the Lord's in control. The Lord has predestined everything. He's already predetermined who's going to be uh, in the bride, who's going to be outside the bride, who's going to be in the lake of fire. So why do anything? Why assemble? I don't know the answer to this. I'm going to ask what you think. Do you think they love the Lord? Uh... They were not interested in in learning and growing. Uh, They were not interested in worshiping and praising the Lord. They were not interested in feeding the sheep. Well, we're just... I don't know if they went fishing or not, but we just—they—they they broke up, they disassembled, and—and and that was it. Uh, they no longer uh, uh, worshipped in this manner, but so we no longer worship as they did in the Old Testament. But there's a new way of worship. So they no longer—they no longer bring in the, sac- the blood sacrifices to be offered. No longer have the priests doing that work and everything. So there's a, there's a change in the way of worship. But let me ask you, is there still a work to be done for those who love, love the Lord? He told Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, well, if you love me, Peter, keep feasting. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. So I believe there certainly is a work to do for those uh, that that love the Lord. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And uh, start in verse 13. So is there a work to do? Now, you'll hear me talk about works. So we talk about salvation. Salvation is not by works, it's by grace. But is there any works to do for the Lord's sheep? Well, you know, in the parabolic illustrations, we're called many things. We're called sheep. We're also called servants. We're called children. But servants, when you think of servants... Isn't there a work? Not for salvation, but there's a work for them to do. So 1 Peter 3 and uh, verse 13. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sakes, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled but sanctify the lord god in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man ask you the reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and with fear so sanctify the lord god in your heart and be ready to go fishing by the way i do like fishing i haven't gone for a long time but sanctify the lord god in your heart and be ready always to give an answer To every man to ask your reason of the hope that's in you. So, he didn't say, not follow me and go fishing. But there's, there's still, this is a work to be done. Now, the Lord's in control of that, I realize. So, I believe that our text is instructing them, as well as us, not forsaking Assembling of ourselves together. Again, because after some were illuminated to the fact that they were not under the law, they see security in Jesus Christ. They think, well, there's no longer a need to assemble. Uh there was this was several years ago an individual i was talking to and i've told you this story before but i think it's fitting so he was talking about the way of salvation we talking about predestination we talking about sovereignty and things along that nature and he says well if i believe that There'd be no reason to go to church, no reason to do anything. That's what he thought that that would mean. So if, if uh, the Lord had already ordained this, and, and he's in control, and election, and so forth, uh, there's no need to do anything. There's no need to go to church. So I, I uh, asked him, I said, well, you know, I said, because uh, I knew where his mother lived, and I'd see him go visit his mother. And I said, you know, your, your mom has already given you birth and given you life and everything. Why do you go? And he grinned. Of course, we know it's, it's, it's of love. So we uh, uh, now, if, as those people that quit assembling, that... Uh, said well there's no need everything's predestined everything predetermined who's going to be the bride who's going to not be and so forth and so on did they have any love for the lord they stopped assembly they didn't see any need so they forgot all about the lord and love of the lord and feeding the sheep uh I think we're going to have to stop there. Let me just leave you with a with question. So, love of the Lord and so forth. Uh, Dolores and I travel somewhat to see, and I won't say love, but we like some of these old bands that are of our era whenever we met and so forth. They call them the oldies and everything. And we traveled to Cincinnati uh, few times a year to see some of these. We like Chicago and the Beach Boys and and some of those. And I think last winter we went up to Wheeling, West Virginia, and saw Gary Puckett and Union Gap and then some other oldies, stuff like that. So we traveled some to see that and everything. If the Lord was appearing somewhere, I know this is foolish, but if we look at it on the surface, but if the Lord was appearing somewhere, would you want to go to see him? Or would it be too far to go to Wheeling to see him? Or would it be too far to go to Cincinnati to see him? So I just want to leave you with this. Where is the Lord now? You say, well, I can't travel to the right hand of the throne of God. Well, it tells us where the Lord is. Let me just go ahead and mention it. He, uh, uh, we talk about the body of Christ, and he's the head of the body, the church. Uh, This is where the Lord is. So, Lord willing, we'll take us up again next week, and I know we haven't answered the questions yet, but I just wanted to give some of this Hebrew is talking about change, the old way, the new way, and and of course, the old way, they didn't have to assemble at Jerusalem anymore. They didn't have to offer blood sacrifice and everything, but was there still something for them to do? According to what he told Peter, there was, if he loved him, Peter, feed my sheep. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.